From the familiar to the taboo and sometimes uncomfortable, join us for thought-provoking tales of period drama, women's health, cultural and societal issues affecting women today and chats with clever gals with Moxie who are killing it in life and business. I'm your host, Mia Klitsis, co-founder and head Moxette at Moxie Products. Hello and welcome to the Girls Got Moxie podcast. Today's episode is a really special one because it's actually the first one that I ever recorded. It's currently Endometriosis Awareness Month in Australia and this episode talks all about endo. My guest is Sophia Bender, a ballerina turned filmmaker after a diagnosis with endometriosis and she shares her incredible story about her journey with endo thus far and how she's campaigning for better diagnosis, better treatment and better awareness for endo warriors all around the globe. Here is her story. Um, I should start by saying thank you so much, Sophia, for joining us on Girls Got Moxie. It is an absolute pleasure to be here. I'm so excited. <laughs> uh, I am stoked to have you on the potty. Uh, this is going to be great. Strap yourselves in, Moxettes. <laughs> I have heard this story. I'd be lying if I if I said I hadn't heard this story a couple of times, uh, but I could hear it time and time again. And every time we speak, I feel like I learn something new about you uh, that either floors me completely because I'm just just so in awe of how actually talented you are, but um, you're also really funny. <laughs> I don't think you realise how funny you are. There's some great nuggets in there, so I hope you share some of those funny stories with us today as well. Thank you out my sleeve. <laughs> please, please do. Do not hold back. Uh, but maybe firstly, just for everyone that's, um, that's listening in, tell us a bit about you. Yeah, so I um, originally started off as a dancer, so... I grew up in Hobart in Tasmania and I moved to Sydney at the age of 16 to pursue a career in classical ballet and I moved to the McDonald College. Absolutely terrifying. Moving away from home at 16 was definitely the scariest thing I've ever done. Alone? Yeah, so well, I moved into a boarding house with 32 girls, which was a wild ride and amazing as well, (laughs) but pretty crazy sometimes. Yeah, so I moved at 16 and I spent two years at the McDonald College and then I was accepted into WAPA at the end of that in WA in Perth. And WAPA, just again, for those who might not be aware, what does it stand for? So it's the Western Australian Academy of Performing Arts. So it's like a pretty major performing arts university and it's got all the different performing arts streams. So I moved there to do the classical ballet stream um and then went to WAPA and the first year was really fantastic was really loving it and second years came down with a massive thud really I started to experience a lot of injuries which was absolutely heartbreaking at the time it started with like shin splints and then it just sort of ricocheted throughout my whole body it was pretty crazy um and then In one of our classes, we did a choreography class. So we got to make up um, our own dances and there were different ways that we could perform them. So we Mm. could do site-specific pieces. We could do a group piece, a solo, a dance film. 
we could use it in any medium that we wanted. And so I thought, oh, well, I'm injured. I'm going home for the holidays back to Hobart. So maybe I'll make a dance film because I can be in control of what I can do in the film. So decided I was going to do that and just took it way too seriously. (laughs) Like really, like I'd never studied film before, so I didn't, know what I was doing I wasn't a film nerd like you know you didn't find me at the cinema every (laughs) weekend um and yeah so I made a film in that year and just was really taken by how passionate I was about it but again didn't really think a huge amount of it it was just kind of like okay that was something that I did and that was really fun so in your head are you still thinking ballet I want to be a dancer oh like 100 percent yeah got to get through these injuries and everything and then got to my final year at WAPA and again I made another dance film in that same class the next year and yeah was still just really intrigued by it and I think My time at WAPA was, I mean, I feel like everywhere I've gone, there's been some sort of traumatic experience, but the being injured, like it felt as though I spent two years sitting in a glass box and I was on the floor every day watching my classmates dance, progress further than me. And I was I was just shattered, like I lost my identity. I didn't know who I was anymore without dancing. And, you know, the days and the months were ticking away and you're sort of there thinking, oh my God, like, what am I gonna do? And yeah, it was just really heartbreaking. And I think when I found film, it was like, all of a sudden I had this thing that I could grasp and I could like run with it. I. I didn't have anything holding me back. Like there was no limits. It was just, I could do anything. And so I think that's why I take it. I took it a lot more seriously than everyone else. I remember at the screening, everyone else, well, most of the other people who had done dance films presented theirs. They'd filmed it on an iPhone. It was really basically edited. And I had my brother um, film them for me because he had a DSLR camera and I sort of roped him into doing it. One of my brothers was in one of the films as well. It was a bit of a like family affair. Wow. Um, But yeah, it was just really, really into it. And so I think I definitely used film as a form of therapy and as a tool to help me get through what I was going through. Mm. And I would tell my story about being injured through different narratives so that I wasn't obviously sort of being like, this is what's happening to me, but like the themes that I was going through in my life, I would tell through those films. And then, yeah, so I got to August of the third year and I was pretty done by this point. Like I had so many things going on with me physically, mentally, and a lot of things that were unexplained, which then led to my endometriosis, which we'll get to later. Mm. <laughs> but um, I, I ended up um, being stuck in Tassie for a couple of days with flight delays back to Perth. And I went into my lecturer's office to apologize because I think I was like a day and a half late back at the mm. end of the semester break. And 
I said, oh, I've been thinking about maybe going into like dance teaching because I know that I'm probably not going to be able to do this as a career because my body just wasn't holding out. And she was like, oh, well, you know, you seem to be really into making films. Why don't you try out for a film school? And I was like, what is a film school? (laughs) Like I legitimately... Like, I was so clueless. I had no idea. I was like, I don't know what that is. And she was like, you can go to places to study film like you can with dance. And I was like, oh, okay. And she, I was like, where are they? You know, and she was like, oh, there's like afters in Sydney and VCA in Melbourne. And I was sort of like, oh, okay, that's a bit weird. Like, I'm going to be a ballet dancer, like tunnel vision or like do something that was, you know, ballet. Like I just couldn't see myself letting go of it or it just seemed so absurd and so bizarre, you know, changing my career or whatever. And so I went home and I thought, no, I'm not going to do that. And I sort of, it came up in conversation to my housemates that night and they said, oh my God, you've got to apply, get online. You've got to do this. You'd be crazy. Like you love making films. And so next thing I knew I was online and yeah, one thing sort of led to the other. And, um, there was quite a few rounds of the application process. So this is with VCA as in Victorian college of the arts. Yes. Yeah. yeah, Which is yeah based in Melbourne. And I, that night when I first went online to the start of the application, literally the day that Um, my teacher told me to apply I ticked a box saying I could be in Melbourne for an interview (laughs) and well (laughs) I when I found out I got an interview so that was the final part of the application process if you got through that far was an interview and it was in the middle of our grad show at WAPA so (laughs) what did we do we we opened the show on like the Friday and Saturday night I was on a plane to Melbourne from Perth Sunday, had my interview Monday morning and then was back, like I went straight back to the airport and was on stage again that night. (laughs) With an injury still, like you were still quite injured but you were still dancing. Yeah. Because at that point you were still like, were you still in your your head thinking ballet's still a thing for me, I'm still going to pursue that? Or were you kind of one foot in one camp and perhaps like one in another, like partially excited for what might lie ahead with film? I was so confused. Like Mm. I had no idea what I was doing. And how old, just out of interest, just because I think it would be really interesting for people to hear because I think sometimes we're kind of – I feel like society sometimes makes us feel like we've got to have everything sorted out yeah. by a certain age or, you know, by the time you finish school or your VCE or, you know, whatever your equivalent is in yeah. your state or country of the end of high school. And, you know, gosh, like <laughs> I had, I still don't know what I'm doing, <laughs> yeah, let alone, you know, at 18 or 19 or whatever. And there's so much pressure. So, yeah, just out of interest, how old were you at that time? So I was 21 at that point. So yeah, getting to the end of the third year of WAPA, I was definitely very confused and I still had that drive in me to be a dancer. And it was sort of, it was quite hard for like my family to accept at the time as well. Like they were all for what I wanted to do, but I think there was this part in them that like they'd almost given a lot of their, well, they had given a lot of their life to their passion 
of me doing this. And I think they were a little bit behind me because they weren't there every day seeing what I went through. They were on the other side of the country, so they didn't quite understand the impact that it was having on my life. But I remember it was coming up to when they we were doing all the rehearsals for our grad show and I came to Whopper with a doctor's certificate that was like, I had costochondritis in my chest. They'd found I had five pulmonary nodules. I had all this really extreme bloating that they couldn't find out what it was and I looked like I was pregnant. I had influenza A and I remember going to Whopper with this doctor's certificate and they were like, you've done enough. You can just pass and go home. Like they were just like, just go, like just leave basically. Wow. And I remember saying, I'm going on for grad show. My family's coming. This is the last time I'm going to perform on stage. And like, oh, we don't have a costume. And I was like, I don't care. I don't care if I'm hitting a tambourine in the back corner. (laughs) I'm going on stage and I'm doing the performance because this is like the last time. And so I did. I ended up going on and it was great. But yeah, I think that was definitely... Did you play the tambourine or did you actually dance? (laughs) I did dance. I had like a smallish role in two of the shows. (laughs) Yeah, but it was something and it, I guess in a way, like did it, did you feel like it sort of ticked that box for you? Like, did you kind of know maybe in your heart of hearts that this is it? I mean, I'm going to say, I'm saying goodbye to this now. Yeah. Did you think that at that point? It was definitely... I think it was definitely like that and it was sort of this moment of being quite torn because when you're doing full-time ballet training you're um, doing like six hours of dancing every single day and so when we're in the performance season and I wasn't actually doing much I was only doing an hour and a half ballet class every day and the show which I wasn't doing much in and so my body was feeling really really good at that time and I was getting through the whole class and I could feel myself just skyrocketing and improving in those last two weeks and that was hard Mm. because you know I felt my legs getting higher I was starting to do like four pirouettes and I was thinking oh my god like I'm really I'm getting really good at this but I had to tell myself no if I'm doing this for six hours every day it's not going to be like this so yeah, I think there was definitely that part of me that was that was ready and mm. yeah, equally as terrified though because I didn't know if I was going to get into the film school or like I was sort of leaving with nothing and yeah, it was it was pretty terrifying. Well, that's some serious moxie right there. <laughs> yeah. like going for it, having the guts and yeah, I guess the courage to to put yourself in that situation in a bit of limbo partly terrifying partly exciting yeah (laughs) you know I I think I felt a bit crazy like I remember asking someone that I knew who was in the course the film course oh what do they ask you in the interview and you know they said oh they ask you what your favorite films and directors are and I remember walking down the street and being on the phone to my dad and he was like well who are your favorite directors what are your favorite films and I was like I don't know any and he was like what about Steven Spielberg and I was like I don't know who that is 
like and I I literally every night leading up to the interview I was kind of I was studying a film every night I was with all my housemates watching a film and I had my notebook and I was writing down like who the director was and who the editor was and trying to really quickly educate myself when I rocked up for the interview I I went in with my little suitcase and I still feel like one of the only reasons I got in was because I had my suitcase when I went into the interview because I was going straight to the airport and they were like oh where, where are you flying back to? And I was like, oh, I'm going back to Perth. And they're like, oh, I hope you're not doing the red eye flight. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. Like, I'm going straight to the airport. I'm going on stage tonight in Perth. And they, I was like, I'm in the middle of my grad show. And I think they're a little bit speechless at that point. And I think they thought, oh, my God, she really, really wants this, which yeah. I think I knew really deep down that I really did want it mm. but I think on the surface I was still just in a bit of denial <laughs> yeah that that's what I wanted to do amazing it's yeah. amazing how your subconscious kind of takes over sometimes and it just <sighs> leads you down a path that you may not necessarily think you like you said you like didn't really even know any film directors it's yeah. not like you sort of grew up going oh I know I want to be a filmmaker yeah but just serendipitously you kind of ended up there in a way well you did end up there not in a way you did end up there (laughs) I'd love to sort of delve into how endometriosis came into play Mm -hmm. in all of this because it's just from what you were saying it sounds like some of that was starting to surface Mm -hmm. whilst you were at um, Whopper doing your dance course and perhaps unknowingly at the time Mm -hmm. so how did that all come to a head It's hard to pinpoint like exactly when it started, but I know that I was definitely getting my period every three weeks instead of four for quite a long time. Like that was even when I was at McDonald College um, in Sydney that was happening. So looking back now, I would have known that that was probably one of the signs, but I didn't know what endo was. So, but I definitely, when all of this stuff was going on towards the end of my third year, I started to get this really extreme bloating and it was really terrifying because I was like a tiny skinny ballet dancer and I looked like I was quite a few months pregnant and I actually went to a doctor and they were, I was like, oh, I'm getting this really bad bloating and I don't know what's going on. And she felt my stomach and she looked at it and she was just like, are you sure you're not pregnant? And I was like, I'm a virgin. I've never had a boyfriend. I've never even kissed a guy. Like, I'm definitely not pregnant. And she sort of paused for a bit and was like, oh, I'm going to get you to take a pregnancy test anyway. Wow. Yeah. So she essentially she didn't believe you. Yeah. And wow. so how does that I mean god, how does that feel? It was it was pretty confronting and never like not having your family there and stuff as well, like going to so many doctors appointments for injuries and and unexplained health issues like on your own and stuff and just feeling like you're so alone in the world and you want to go to someone for answers but they don't know. And so I had that done and obviously I wasn't pregnant. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) And then, yeah, I guess the bloating kind of, it went up and down, like it wasn't there all the time. But yeah, so that sort of happened. And then when I finished Whopper, 
it was actually the day after I found out I was I got the phone call to say I was accepted into VCA I woke up one film school yeah film school so it was all happening but you know there's always something isn't there yeah (laughs) I um yeah I woke up and I was home alone and everyone was at work and I had these really weird like cramps that started in my sleep and I woke up and I just like got pretty like violently ill like really quickly yeah it was so bizarre I just I didn't know what was happening to me like I I thought I was like dying or something I don't know it was just it was really intense and eventually I fainted and yeah I was just at home and when I sort of came out of it I ended up calling my mum and she was like well I can't get home from work probably quicker than an ambulance can get there so she called an ambulance and eventually they came and I went into hospital and as soon as I got there and I was in the waiting room I got my period and so the nurse luckily she was the nurse that I saw because she said to me when I said I just got my period she was like well maybe you have endometriosis and I was like what is that and so yeah I was really really confused and I later found out that my auntie actually has it as well which was weird and I think I sort of knew but I never really put two and two together and yeah that was kind of the start of my journey with it I think I was in a bit of denial I wasn't really sure I went to see a gynecologist yeah I went to see a gynecologist before I moved to Melbourne that summer and he sort of suspected that I probably did have endometriosis and he wanted to put me on the pill to limit my periods but I refused at the time because as a dancer I was terrified of gaining weight so I didn't want to go on the pill (laughs) so I didn't do that but yeah that was sort of like the very early stages of starting to hear what it was and that I might have it we've spoken at length already about this and I have seen your incredible film uh, called Endo Girl which we will get to which really is all around your experience with endometriosis but I think I think the word gets thrown around Mm -hmm. a lot but I feel like a lot of people don't really understand what it is so maybe could you tell us a bit about what it is and maybe just you know what symptoms you have Mm -hmm. So endometriosis is a condition where the lining of the uterus actually grows outside the uterus, causing growths which are known as lesions. And it basically, in its later stages, can end up connecting your organs together. It almost looks like a spider web when you see it on, when you see surgery pictures. But yeah, it It affects one in 10 women worldwide. We don't know what causes it. There's no cure and it takes on average seven to 12 years to diagnose. And that's mainly because the only way to diagnose it is through a really invasive laparoscopy surgery. So unless the endometriosis is in its later stages, you won't see it on an ultrasound. Like it has to be pretty bad to be at that point. So yeah, I guess that's like a quick mm. So a essentially quick there's women out there that are suffering for 
potentially a decade before they're really even able to get a diagnosis. Absolutely. Um, and and like you said, there's I mean, there's no cure. What about treatments? So, what does it what does a typical day for you look like? So, do you have like super frequent periods, infrequent periods, pain? How does that work for you, and how do you manage it? Yeah. So, what's the reality of it? Well, I so I'm on the pill to try and help manage my periods, and I'm only meant to have a couple of periods a year because basically every time you have the period, that's when the growth is activated. So if you have as little periods as possible, in theory, it should grow less. Again, this, the research is so little because you could have a hysterectomy and still have it. So yeah, wow. it's all a bit confusing. So I will try and limit my periods by going on the pill. But the problem is like with my really busy lifestyle, pretty much after I have my period, I have like a really good sweet spot of about like three weeks. And then when I get to about the fourth week, I start to get really bad bloating. I'll start to get in a lot of pain. And basically from there it's holding out until you're going to have the next period and you're in it for the long run until you have it at that point for me personally. And I meant to try and wait two to three months before I have the next one. But the problem is with work, I'm often like on tour a lot or, you know, I'm busy with film shoots and I'll have really big things in my life that are happening. And I'm like, well, I don't want to have my period at that time because I need to be able to be at my best and be on tour and film and lift really heavy equipment and do all of these things so it's been a bit difficult this year because I've actually pretty much been almost having them every month because a date will come up that I can't have it for so I'll have it earlier than I should. Um, So it kind of messes with your cycle. yeah. Yeah well still yeah still not having them well, yeah, pretty much like one a month at the moment, like normally is mm-hmm. what I'm having. Um, try and stretch it out a bit longer if I can. But um, for me, symptoms I get are really extreme bloating. So obviously that started at WAPA, it's gotten a lot worse. So I'm pretty much bloated every day on a day-to-day basis, which will fluctuate and anything from having a little bit of caffeine could trigger it. Yeah, it's really temperamental. It's really unpredictable. You've got no idea when it's going to happen, when it's going to strike. I get a lot of really severe sharp pains in one side, which potentially is either the endometriosis lesions or it could be a cyst. It's hard to sort of tell because I have had... Um, a cyst rupture which I ended up in hospital for once which was really intense and yeah they suck I've had one of those rupture as well so awful that's a topic for another day for sure because they're actually quite common and like me I was 19 I didn't know I had it it grew and it yeah ruptured in my stomach I thought I was gonna die but yeah so I mean I I I empathize, but I can't even imagine what you're going through with the endo as well as that. Like, I just cannot even imagine. Um, yeah, it's not not cool at all. <laughs> not it's good. not ideal. Which, um, I mean, but I just, you know, what I, what, you know, I love about you amongst so many things is the fact that you've 
you've used your experience and you said this earlier about how film kind of gave you an outlet to mm-hmm. you know share your experiences with with dance and you know it's like your way of expressing your telling your story yeah and your experiences in mm-hmm. life and I guess your current project one of your current projects yeah. Endo Girl is very much uh, driven by your experience with Endo which is a so incredibly brave because there are a lot of women that suffer in silence or perhaps feel like they don't have the support and you've talked a lot about and also in the film I've been fortunate enough to see the trailer and a bit of a short of the extended um, part of the film it's just it's so beautiful like I'm I've told you this before but I'm just so floored by it it is just you you guys everyone needs to see this film (laughs) everyone needs to see this film I won't say too much about it because I want you to tell the story but there are is it 12 women in the film so there's 13 um, women with endometriosis Mm -hmm. including myself um, in the film yeah so tell us a bit about the women in the film and I guess how their experiences vary and Mm -hmm. it's quite reflective of endometriosis and how I guess how broad the spectrum is of, of pain and you know the condition itself yeah, so the stories were just incredible listening to all of them. So we have a lot of different women from different backgrounds, different ages. The youngest is 12 years old. She hasn't officially been diagnosed with endo yet because it's too young to do the surgery, the laparoscopy, and you can't officially 100% confirm that you have the disease until you've had that surgery even though you can like 99% suspect it mm. yeah she only got her period at the time when we filmed nine months beforehand and had had really severe period pain and her sister is also in the film who does have endometriosis and her she had a few other relatives that have it so the chances of her having it are pretty high mm. We had quite a few um, women who were like in their 40s and 50s who had only just recently been diagnosed. So that actually lived most of their life not knowing what it was. And for me, it was just so heartbreaking. Like there was um, one of the beautiful women, she, yeah, she had a cyst. And so at this point, she's... 43 I think it was at the time and she went in she had this cyst and they said okay we're gonna go in and take it out and they went in and she had stage four endometriosis all her organs were connected together it was at a really severe stage and And so what does that mean like stage four like when so obviously the lining of the uterus has grown Mm -hmm. essentially like around other organs yeah so it um it grows on your bowel your bladder your fallopian tubes just basically everywhere like it can grow to other parts of the body as well like one of the women has thoracic endometriosis as well yeah it, it grows everywhere but this this woman's story was particularly quite frightening for me I guess because She had never had, she'd had really heavy periods. She'd had low iron and she'd had migraines, but yeah, she didn't have the typical like curled up in a ball period pain. And, you know, she's 43 and had never experienced that, but yet 
inside she had stage four endometriosis and Mm. she didn't know and so I guess that's quite it's really scary because you're like are there yeah it's and and that's the thing that's just so frustrating is that there's just no other way to diagnose like and you know there are amazing people out there working so hard to help find a cure and help to find what causes it there are people out there looking for those answers but in the meantime because I guess it is a women a woman's problem it's just been so neglected and so pushed back and you know you still go to doctors now that just say oh it's normal to have period pain and you know some of the women one of the women was like I thought that my periods were normal because they were normal for me Mm. and it's just like well how you know what is normal we don't know what normal is because everyone's different that's a great point that's actually such a great point and Mm. you know obviously part of a huge reason why just girls got moxie this podcast exists is to shine a light on all of these issues that women around the world experience and often we don't necessarily have the platforms to talk about them or society is quite good at pushing them back and pushing them away or putting them in the too hard basket and so I think if we can just educate each other and talk about our own experiences and like you Mm -hmm. like amazing that you're sharing your experience and again thank you so much (laughs) uh, because I think there's such a lack of awareness and even I was just so shocked hearing these women speak in the film about not being believed and just like a real kind of lack of it's almost like a bit of a victim blaming kind of a thing like just women just not being taken seriously at all whether that be by doctors but also by their partners and their Mm. families and that would be so difficult it's honestly heartbreaking I had a particular family member when it was sort of towards the end of Whopper when I was experiencing the bloating and he pushed his stomach out and he was like oh everyone can do that like you were faking it or something yeah like it was and it yeah it's just heartbreaking because like you know in your heart that there's something wrong with you but you do end up starting to think well is this all in my head and you know I'd had all these injuries and you're like am I a hypochondriac am I making all of this up when I finally had the surgery like I just remember waking up and totally out of it but being able to just be like did you find anything did you find anything like when I first woke up to the surgeon and he was like yeah we found a lot of endometriosis it was on your ovaries your bowel your bladder and I just remember crying because I was like I have an answer I'm not imagining this like Mm. it was almost this thing to celebrate because you were like Like I have a disease I have a condition (laughs) like no one can tell me I don't now because I've had a surgery and they've cut me open and they've found it. And so it was kind of this weird thing of just so much relief. But then as the relief wore off, being like, oh, now I have an incurable disease Mm. for the rest of my life. So I guess it's a bit bittersweet in that you've got the validation of finally knowing what's wrong with you Mm -hmm. and being able to or just understanding it I guess and finding management solutions Mm. that work for you but then you're right there's this other side of the coin that's like well we don't know what causes it no one knows what to do about it really and yeah it's it's like there's it sounds like there's so much work still that needs to be done 
there is and you know it's not like you get sick and you have a cold and you're going to get over it like it's, it's just debilitating there. it's just it? it becomes as much as you try for it not to like it does become part of your identity because it is this thing that you carry everywhere you go physically emotionally mentally like it's always there and you know you can have a surgery to remove it but it just grows back so it's not mm-hmm. even like you know you go and get it removed and then that's it and you go home and you go on with your life like you're just then waiting for the next surgery for it to grow back again it's a vicious like, cycle yeah one of the other things about endometriosis is it can cause infertility and a lot of women with endo will struggle with this and you know, for me personally, being told that I should have kids within the next five years by my gynecologist is just, that just breaks my heart because, you know, I'm still single, I don't have a partner and I'm sort of here thinking about planning my life and getting like a sperm donor and like, you know, just these things that a lot of people don't have to think about. And I might not even have an issue with my fertility. Like I don't even know yet. And it's, it's pretty confronting. And, you know, you'll see and hear in the film, there are a lot of the women do share their experiences um, with infertility and their struggles to conceive. And, you know, one of the women said that, you know, she feels worthless as a woman, you know, not being able to conceive because it feels like that's what, you know, we're here to do and and when that gets taken away from you. So that's probably one of the, I could say, like worst parts of endometriosis. But again, infertility does not affect everyone with endo. So yeah, it's one of those things. You don't know if it will or it won't, but that is probably one of the biggest challenges that women with the disease will face. And And even if I don't struggle with it, it's still taken, it's still been years of my life that I've worried about it. Do you know what I mean? Like, Mm. whereas most people wouldn't really worry about that until it happens or it doesn't. I feel like in just generally in society, people love to tell women about their biological clocks as if we don't, as if we're not aware already that we have a biological, you know, clock or window perhaps. And I guess to be told that yours is shorter than than you thought or than most, mm. uh, that w- I can imagine that would be really difficult. And there's like there's a myth that having a baby will cure your endometriosis, and it's still told to people all the time. And yeah, when I saw my um, doctor, I think the day after my surgery, when he came in, he said, "Oh." if you that you should have a baby because it'll cure it and I was like oh my god what? like I'm just recovering from this surgery and like I'm single and I'm 23 or 4 I can't even remember how old I was but it was just like that is just not what I need to hear right now like I'm in the middle of a uni degree like <laughs> but yeah it doesn't actually cure endometriosis it is a myth and yeah it's scary to think that a lot of people are still saying that and it's just because you don't have a period for nine months so that's it helps it for that amount of time but it doesn't mean that it won't come back after that yeah I love that I love that women who 
have endometriosis consider themselves warriors and not sufferers i just absolutely love that because you're kind of i guess you're just you're owning it in a way and not letting it completely consume you and i just think that's so powerful i love that i just love the term endo warrior yeah Um, and it's just yeah we just have to band together right and you do there's so much to be said for you know trust and empathy and Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I think there was a one of one of the women in the film was talking about how like her partner ended up cheating on her because yeah. he just didn't believe her diagnosis, and she she then felt inadequate. She felt like she wasn't a good partner. Yeah, um, she struggled to have sex, yeah. and then he strayed, and she blamed herself. So yeah. it's debilitating in more ways than one. By the sounds of it, it's not just the physical on you as a person, but it's what it does to relationships, what it does to your own mental state, I guess, Um, emotionally even. Absolutely. For me, I think besides all the physical pain that I've been through, the emotional side of relationships has been, without a doubt, the hardest part for me to deal with, with this disease. I experienced my first partner when I was at film school. So we started dating not long after I started the course. And so this was a couple of months into being told that I might have endo, um, but I hadn't had the operation yet. So I didn't really know. And yeah, he was my first partner and you know, it's, you're all very taken away by it at the time. And, you know, it was all very exciting. And, you know, I was 22 and I'd never even held hands with a guy. <laughs> so I was a very like late maturer. But yeah, when sex started to come into the relationship, it was really difficult because it was painful and it hurt a lot. And It's really hard to describe. It's like this feeling of when you're actually having sex, they're in you and you're in so much pain and so you feel guilty, but then they feel guilty because they're causing pain on you. And it's like this vicious cycle of guilt of like, the guy is thinking, oh my gosh, like I'm really hurting her. And then they feel bad. And then I feel bad because they feel bad because it's not their fault, but it's my fault, but I'm actually not in control. It's not my fault, but it is because it's my body. (laughs) So it's this really, yeah, it's a really awful cycle. And, you know, our relationship broke down not long after we started going into that part of our relationship. And whatever the relationship did end for I still walked away with a lot of blame that it was my fault because I couldn't have sex and yeah it like it's a lot to take on and you know trying to be with other people since then like I I actually haven't been able to have sex since then because I've been too I've been too afraid to do it and this is like five years ago Mm. so it's been a long time and again it it is that thing that like you carry with you because you know there's that part of you that's like wants to get into a relationship but then you think well if I can't have sex like why will someone want to love me which I know is so ridiculous (laughs) and and that's 
not true, but there is that part of you that, that sort of does think that and you feel inadequate as a woman not being able to do it. And it's just, yeah, I'm, it's something like that I'm quite afraid of. That's, oh my gosh, like I've heard that before, <laughs> but it still is, it's even really hard to hear because yeah. I just, I, I can't even imagine what that would feel like. And like you said, this like sense of responsibility when mm. it's actually way beyond your control. Yeah. It's not something you can control. And, yeah. you know, hopefully there are, amazing supportive partners out there yeah uh who do understand and do completely respect Mm -hmm. what women are going through yeah and help support that because just it really is debilitating in more Mm -hmm. ways than one it's it's so challenging and the stats are crazy yeah like there are just so many women in the world that are suffering and even you know that 12 year old girl that Mm. you spoke about i mean she was amazing honestly the way that she told her story in the film i want to talk a bit about the film because it is so beautiful and I don't want to give away too much because I just <laughs> people need to see it. But there's this one particular sequence. I'm going to mm-hmm. call it a sequence. It's not even a scene. Would you agree with that? It's kind of yeah. a sequence. There's these beautiful, like lyrical kind of dance sequences that are just, oh my gosh, they're just so insanely beautiful. And I literally found myself like sighing and going like, oh wow, like wow, oh my gosh, because it just it really shocked me. And there's this one particular sequence where you fall off a bike as you're telling your story about your diagnosis and you fall off a bike so gracefully. I don't know how on earth you manage that in this gorgeous red dress (laughs) and you just like, just kind of just like flew off it (laughs) in a forest and it looks unbelievable, which says a lot about your skills, I guess, as a filmmaker. (laughs) Uh, But that was just, it was just, it's such a beautiful way to tell a story that Mm. is otherwise very difficult to tell and those women are such champs for for being open with their stories. Can you maybe just, you know, tell us a bit about the experience in making the film and how it's going and what release looks like? Yeah, when can absolutely. we share it? Um, so, yeah, I guess the film, the idea for the film started not long. Well, I was sort of in my graduate year and my graduate film at VCA was actually about my final year at WAPA when I was injured, which is interesting because I was in the final year there, but I was living the final year at WAPA through that final year. Amazing things seem to happen to you, like post something tragic. Yeah. not I don't wish tragic things on you at all, but it's just like you have just made the most phenomenal things out of some really horrible things, Yeah, well, which my... is such a great perspective to have because I think – and I do it too sometimes. I feel like a lot of people will often just wallow in it and be like, oh, that happened. That's rubbish. Mm. I'm done for. I'm not good enough. I can't yeah. do it. I can't do it. Whereas you've just gone, nope, I'm just going to pivot and do something else. Yeah, well, my, my late grandfather always used to say to me, turn a disadvantage into an advantage. And that is definitely something that I've always tried to take on board. And so... Yeah, when I was sort of coming to the end of third year and you're thinking, what's next? What film's going to be next? And I was, had just been offered a job at the Australian Ballet um, to do filmmaking there and work with their education team. But, you know, you've always want to have something on the back burner. I've always got to sort of have some kind of creative film that I'm making. So it was kind of a no-brainer to make a film on endometriosis because... 
you know, at the time struggling and seeing sort of more people around me starting to suffer. And I think it was the general feeling of being so annoyed that no one knew what it was because every time I tell someone I have endometriosis, I have to be really mentally prepared to like say what the definition is, say what it does, because there's probably a 50% chance that they're not going to know what it is. So I was just getting really sick of doing that. (laughs) And like, you know, especially with men and stuff, you know, and wanting to just be like, oh, I'm having an endo flare today. The same as someone could say, oh, I'm, I've got a cold, I'm struggling, but because it's an invisible illness, you don't look sick. So you just want to say, oh, I'm having an endo flare, but then you have to potentially wait for the response of like, what is that? And then you have to explain what the disease is and go into detail. And it's just really fucking exhausting. Like (laughs) it's really exhausting. So yeah, I decided I want to make a film about endometriosis. Never made a doco style type film before. So that was definitely something that was quite overwhelming and that I was quite nervous about. And to be honest, even in the edit right now, I'm still nervous about it (laughs) while I'm trying to edit. And I'm like, I've never made a documentary. I still don't know if I'm doing this right. But, but yeah, so started working at the ballet last year and alongside that was just writing the script on the side and working out, you know, how I wanted to tell this story. And I definitely wanted to have the dance element in the film because that's such a... Well, all my films that I make are dance films. Every film I've made has been a dance film, so that definitely had to be something that was in there. But, yeah, finding the women was such an exciting process for me. So I reached out to a lot of Facebook groups and, you know, because I really wanted a lot of different demographics and, you know, I wanted to show that all women could get it of all races and all ages and, yeah, like uh, there's so many myths out there. It doesn't discriminate. It doesn't – no. And, and, yeah, and and I think we talked about this on the phone last night. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) We love to chat, can you tell? (laughs) Um, But, yeah, we were talking about this on the phone last night and you're right, it doesn't discriminate and I think just – on discrimination that just reminded me of something and I think this is a really great opportunity mm-hmm. to say this is that there are boys who bleed too yeah there are people that don't necessarily identify as women mm-hmm. who may be experiencing endo and other conditions yeah but perhaps feel a sense of shame mm-hmm. or that they're not understood or you know and as a result they don't seek the medical treatment that they're mm-hmm. so entitled to and so I think it is so important for us to be able to talk about it and it's just like you said it doesn't matter how old you are you know yeah. it doesn't affect particular races I mean I'm, I'm not entirely sure what the stats are but by the sounds of it there's not enough there just isn't enough research yet to no. even really ascertain that mm-hmm. so you know I think just being able to really champion that message and amplify that message that if you feel something's not right talk to someone it's okay to talk to someone and we should be able to talk to someone without judgment right Mm -hmm. 100 percent. and just yeah have people that believe that what you're saying is true and so my goal for the film is that as soon as someone's seen this they will never not take a woman with endo seriously or if a woman says they or a young girl 
says that they have period pain they will be taken seriously and so yeah it's I feel like I want to like take over the world and like (laughs) I want everyone to see it because it's one in 10 women probably more because a lot of people don't have symptoms so every single person knows someone with endometriosis whether it's your partner your mother your daughter your work colleague you know your friend yeah you know at least one person with it and so we need to there needs to be more awareness we need to understand what this disease is and what it is doing to people because it is horrific it is joining our organs together it's every day wild <laughs> like how why that's just cra- it's nuts yeah like it's crazy sometimes at work to sit there especially on my period and I'm sitting there and I'm literally like in a lot of pain and I'm thinking fuck like my organs are actually joining together right now inside of me and there's not a lot I can do yeah (laughs) it's crazy (laughs) yeah it's crazy um in terms of management I think was it you that was was telling me that um peppermint tea is good yeah so I this is by no means a cure you guys like obviously this is a really (laughs) horrific debilitating (laughs) disease um, but as a, as a, you know, mm-hmm. sort of a pain management or, and I guess everyone's got their thing that works best yeah. for them, but I know you were saying peppermint tea, hot water bottles. Yeah. I really like, um, peppermint tea and definitely hot water bottles. I think the thing that definitely helped me the most was seeing a pelvic floor specialist. That was fantastic that was a really great experience if you guys aren't doing kegels now yeah (laughs) (laughs) if you say that you're not you're lying because we're all doing them now it's like someone says pelvic floor and then suddenly you start just doing pelvic floors (laughs) um but yeah I it was it was also quite terrifying because you literally yeah it's like therapy for your vagina basically this is awesome and this brings me back to obviously the sex thing because well of course it's painful and doing pelvic floor exercises would actually really help yeah well a lot of um the therapy that you do with endometriosis is like learning to relax the pelvic floor like mine was the other way around where it was so tight that I would literally I would have muscle spasms because it was so tight and I think a lot of that came from ballet as well so that wouldn't have helped Mm. so using tampons having sex anything like that is could be really pain is really painful right yeah so I was like 18 before I could use a tampon like I tried so many times and just horror stories of feeling like they were stuck and because it was so painful and yeah, it, it took a long time for me to actually be able to use tampons. Originally, I was yeah, I was a full time ballet dancer, having to wear you know pads with my wings, you know, and it wasn't my arms being a swan. It was like my <laughs> fucking like pad wings hanging out. Like it was awful. So you know that that was so relatable. Yeah. So that was really hard um, and just inconvenient and just annoying. Like. You know, no one else is wearing a pad and you're there in With their leotard a high-cut leotard yeah. and your ballet tights and you're trying to put your legs in the air and you're worrying about your wings sticking out. It's, this it's, is very real. It's not this ideal. Is, yeah. like, no. And so the pelvic floor specialist yes. was super helpful. So Yeah, so what we actually did originally was 
she would actually feel around and see how everything felt inside there and she noticed pretty like soon that it was very tight and she gave me these things called trainers which are like or you can call them dilators I think is another name for them and they're not like vibrators they're basically like plastic tubes I guess you could Mm. say it's kind of hard to describe Um, but they're all in different sizes and like the smallest one is the size of a tampon and they go up six sizes so I had to learn how to relax my pelvic floor um, through I had like a, a guided kind of meditation that I had to listen to for half an hour every day where I had to like visualize relaxing my vagina, which was just totally bizarre. It's a different kind of self-care, isn't it? It's a different kind of self-care, that's for sure. But it's all self-care. It's important. Yeah. And it, it really, really helped me. And I think that definitely made me feel a lot more confident about when I do go into a relationship that those things are out there and like it helped, like I was a lot less tight, you know, I could see the progress and she would actually do an internal ultrasound and you'd get to watch it on the screen. So you would do the exercises and you would watch like what your pelvic floor was doing and like when it was tightening and relaxing. And I know as a dancer and being really self-aware of my body, that just really fascinated me because a lot of a lot of it's really visual, learning mm-hmm. how to relax. But I would definitely recommend to any anyone out there who's struggling with painful sex to definitely go and see a pelvic floor specialist. It can be quite confronting, you know, having an internal ultrasound. It can be quite confronting, but it's definitely worth doing. And, you know, you can go in with your partner as well and they can help you work through things. So I know that when I do get into another relationship that I'll definitely be going there (laughs) if I'm still having issues. Yeah. That's awesome. That's a great tip. (laughs) Thanks for sharing that. It's a really good tip. Um, And maybe just as a side note to sort of wrap up Mm -hmm. like that, this has just been amazing, but to wrap up, I want to like, is there anything else you want to talk about, about the film? So, yeah. Um, Yeah. So we're currently in the post-production stage of Endo Girl Yeah, so we had quite an extensive filming period. We did three major weekends of filming um, across a couple of months, which included the women's interviews. And then we also did the filming in the forest, which was myself. Where was that forest? Can you say? Yeah, yeah. It looks pretend. It's so pretty. It's (laughs) beautiful. It's real. So it was the Otways Forest um, in Victoria. So it was like three hour drive from here and it's kind of funny how that happened because originally I always wanted to film in that forest but logistically getting myself the cast the crew there three hours away was pretty ambitious and so we decided to film at the Dandenong one which was an hour and a half drive from Melbourne CBD which is the same type of forest they've got the redwood trees but they're all planted like exactly in a line so it wasn't as 
the trees aren't as sporadic, but a week out there was like fires there. And so we couldn't film there. And I was so like nervous because I was like, oh my God, the location, like we can't make the film. And and then I was like, okay, we're, we're going to film in the Otway. So booked the accommodation there. We stayed in this tiny little place. It was great. But yeah, just the most magical forest. And the reason why we shot in the forest was because I wanted the trees to be a visual metaphor of endometriosis and the way that the tree roots grow and connect everything together under the surface. So that was, yeah, that was why we shot in the forest. And then we did another weekend of filming with 13 women just in like a black box space and their dancing is played over the top of the women's stories and they're used as like a metaphor through their dance so yeah so I'm currently in post-production at the moment it's looking to be finished in a couple of weeks we're getting to the pointy end of it now I'm locking off the vision at the moment and then we'll have the composition we're doing a live recording um, of the orchestra with seven different musicians we'll have the color grade and the sound mix and got some visual effects to be done and then the film will be finished and my goal and my aim then is to enter it into a bunch of film festivals all around the world which would just be amazing if I was able to get into some of them and travel with the film and yeah spread the word and spread more awareness about endo yeah and then eventually so that will be depending what film festivals it is accepted into will determine where it's screened so I'll definitely be entering it into a lot around Australia so you might end up being able to see it next year in some different film festivals and then once it's finished its film festival circuit it will be released online so everyone can watch it from wherever they like (laughs) cannot wait we'll be sharing it for sure it's such a beautiful film I'm so excited for it to launch and I'm sure you're excited for it to launch too because this has been like quite an ongoing project yeah Um, but no doubt it's going to be worth it so for someone that went from not knowing who Steven Spielberg was to talking about color grading and entering their film in film festivals and I mean it's amazing what you can do in what like five five years yeah I think it's been five years since then and so six years ago you still thought you were going to be a ballerina yeah which legit you actually you are still a phenomenal dancer i've seen it <laughs> um so arguably can you still call yourself about a ballerina why not yeah i still dance three times a week <laughs> okay so ballerina and filmmaker mm-hmm. um, so you're still living or well, you're living both passions now yeah and i just get to do ballet as a hobby now and i've loved it more than i've ever loved it in my life because there's wow. no pressure and yeah I just go to class and it's and it's a release and that's what it was always meant to be I guess but with the pressures and the pain and you know the wanting it to be a career it sort of took away a lot of that passion for me Um, so I'm really glad that through doing adult ballet classes at the Australian Ballet I definitely found my passion for dance again, more than I even knew it existed. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Girls Got Moxie. If you like what you heard, please do leave us a review 
And also don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Stitcher to be notified when the latest episode drops. In the meantime, please do join us on Facebook in the Girls Got Moxie community group where everyone can have a say. Don't forget to check out Overflow on YouTube for a behind-the-scenes glimpse of this potty and to meet today's guest and also the show notes for links to everything we talked about. Until next time.